0: Welcome to Crossview Church Sunday Services. I'm Jen Oswald, Director of Outreach and Care, and I have a couple quick announcements for you. You may have heard, but our first outdoor parking lot service is scheduled for June 14th. We're so excited to see our church family again, and staff has been working enthusiastically to bring those details together. You might be feeling a little apprehensive about that or uncertain, and we understand. So be watching this week as we release details and information so that you can fully um, understand what Sunday services will look like during this time. And as we were pulling all these details together, it made me think about what we were doing as a church a year ago. A year ago, we were pulling together an event called Mission Rapids. Mission Rapids was an outreach event to take place in our parking lot. The concept behind it was that we wanted to bring the hospitality of Crossview Church outside into our parking lot and engage with our city. Free food, free kids games, free activities for families local organizations getting together so families could um, interact with them and hear about what the resources they offered, and just a free night for families to come together and have something to do on a Friday night. Well, if you were on that um, setup crew, you remember that we spent all day setting up tents and games and tables and decorations and getting food prepped, only to find that a, an hour before the event started, nasty weather came through. We had to scoop up all the things that we spent all day setting up and bring them inside frantically. I saw how God showed up. He showed up in the conversations that we got to have with people that would stop by while we were setting up and ask what was happening. We could explain um, the heart behind the event and invite them to come back later that evening for, for, uh, um, to spend the evening with us. Or when the event got pulled inside and people got to experience the hospitality and the warm environment of Crossview Church that maybe wouldn't have experienced it any other way. Crossview Church, you've always had a heart for this city, and I hope that we can bring that to this temporary situation that we find ourselves in and and think about the ways that we can possibly reach our city through this. And speaking of outreach, every Sunday outdoor service will have a different organization that we focus on. We want to bless and support those organizations that have had had to continue serving our most vulnerable in our community throughout this situation. And the first organization we're going to focus on on Sunday, June 14th is ODC. You can find out more about ODC at odcinc.com. But they are a local organization that serves some of the most vulnerable among us. They work with adults with disabilities to help them to reach their life and work goals. They have some wish lists that I know that we can help them out with, and so I'll be distributing those this week as well. If you'd like to choose something on their wish list to provide them or donate monetarily to them, we would love to bless this organization and thank them in the support, in the way they support our community. Every Sunday service, just look for the red truck with the um, Crossview Church banner on it, and that's where you can drop off your donations for the organization we're focusing on for that Sunday. Thank you in advance for your generosity and have a great week. We'll see you on June 14th.
1: So glad to have you join us today. We're going to get started singing a song called Death Was Arrested. It's a song that helps us celebrate all that has been done for us to redeem us from sin and to new life and to give us freedom in Christ to live these lives. So let's sing this together as we get our hearts warmed up for all that God has in store for us today.
2: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, and my life began. Oh, your grace, a why she's over
1: Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost.
2: I'm in Jesus rest.
1: sing another song and it's called cornerstone and it's a great reminder that just as we now have this forgiveness and freedom in Jesus we have a life to be built upon him as that chief cornerstone and so uh, we're going to sing this song and put our hope squarely upon Jesus together <laughs>
2: Christ alone, Christ alone.
1: for who you are and the amazing love that you have for us. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for freedom from guilt and sin. Thank you for the opportunity to live in relationship with you and build a life upon you as our great foundation. And so, Lord Jesus, we come today wanting to build our lives on you. And so we ask that As we've been enjoying this time of worship together, our hearts would now just enjoy so much hearing from your word and seeing what you have to say to us. So God, open our hearts wide now and bless every moment of this time that we share together in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
3: Hey, Crossview Church, I wanna begin right away by just asking you a simple question. In the past three months, Have you experienced any of these feelings? Have you felt confused? Have you felt angry? Maybe you felt disappointed. How about afraid? How about anxious? Have you felt depressed? Have you felt discontent? And have you felt sad? These are things that I don't know about you, but I have felt over the last um, three, four months off and on, especially over this last week. Uh, And when you feel these feelings, you wonder, will relief ever come? Will these feelings stay on and hold on for a long time? Or will relief ever come? And in fact, you begin to question, you wonder, does Christianity make a difference while I'm experiencing these feelings? Will Christianity help me as I'm Experiencing in in these and in, in the place of confusion, when I'm disappointed, when I'm anxious, when I'm depressed, does Christianity happen? Does it come to us in those places and change the reality of what we're feeling? You can often ask yourself this: How can faith in God relate to what is happening to me? I think many of us get to that place when we ask that question. I don't know about you, but over this last few months, I've asked that question. And wondered myself, can faith in God relate to what's going on in those places of those emotions, those places of uncertainty, where we're wondering, when is this thing going to end? When will we go back to what we thought was normal? And then when you look at what's going on in our nation and the pain and the hurt, you wonder what is going on. Will we ever see a relief? Will God come and bring relief to us in the midst of our pain? I think it's a real normal feeling to have, and I think the Bible, well, I know the Bible addresses it, and we're going to look at it today. Today, I want to show you that God can meet you in your most difficult trial. God can meet you in your most disappointing place. God can meet you in the darkness of those dark feelings and give you hope. Today, we're going to look at a family who was devastated. Their whole world was exploding. Everything was falling apart. They felt all the things that we mentioned and they wondered, would God ever come through? And I want to look at what God did. And so if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to open to Genesis chapter 35. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 35, verses one to two. If you uh, are, have a paper Bible, it's the very first book. You just open to it, go to the big number 35. I'm just going to look at two verses this morning. And then if you have our church center app, you can go there uh, as well and see it all electronically. Um, and I also want to say, uh, parents, the first 30 seconds, the next, I should say the next 30 seconds to a minute is PG-13. And so I'm kind of picturing a young family at home watching this on the video on a Sunday morning, Parents, you may want to pause this now and listen to the first or the next thirty seconds to a minute uh, just to make sure uh, young ears and are okay um, and you may want to fast forward it so I want to give you that option just to know um, there's some real serious things that happen to this family that I'm going to describe that may be pg thirteen so with that, the rest of you have your i have your interest now, and so we will dive in. Uh, The context of what's happening in Genesis 35 is very important. It's important to know what happened before that. So I'm going to summarize Genesis uh, 33 and 34. Um, Basically, there's this guy named Jacob who uh, we see early on in the book of Genesis and a story unfolds. And Jacob um, has a daughter named Dinah and Dinah is raped. By a man. And the man who rapes Dinah comes to Jacob afterwards and wants to marry her and asks for her hand in marriage. And Jacob is devastated. His family is devastated. They can't believe that their daughter Dinah went through this. And they're so devastated, they begin to react irrationally, right? So Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi go into the city where Dinah was, where she was raped. And they uh, go to find the man who did this with all of their men. Uh, They kind of had a following then. And so they went into the city and it says they took their swords and they ended up killing every single male in that city because they were so angry and they stole things from the city and they destroyed the city and they grabbed the women and children from the city. And they brought them back to where the family is. And now here's Jacob. He's feeling broken and in shock And he can't believe not only what happened to his daughter, but he can't believe what his sons did because they put their whole family in jeopardy because the people who inhabited this city, they had a following outside the city. There's a whole lot greater. And when that following finds out what happened, they will come and they will retaliate against Jacob's family. And so Jacob is in this moment feeling broken, depressed and all alone. He's feeling trauma over what happened to his daughter he is feeling fear because of the retribution that's going to come to his family. He feels outnumbered because those who are against him, he, see, he thinks are greater than those who are for him. And his family's broken. They're devastated. They're experiencing all those feelings we talked about before. And they're wondering, is there any hope in this moment? Is there, does God make a difference in this place? We're going to see that God in this place tells Jacob to go to Bethel. This is this town In the place of Bethel. God says he will find restoration in Bethel. He'll find healing in Bethel. He'll find wholeness. But before Bethel, we see that we experience brokenness. Jacob is in one of the most darkest moments of his life right now. After all that he just experienced, he's in this dark, dark place of brokenness, wondering, will this ever end? Will there be hope beyond what I'm seeing in my world and what I'm feeling internally right now? Many of us are in that same spot. We're wondering, will what we're experiencing, you know, we're talking about a new normal, meaning we don't even know what's going to come after this. Will what we're experiencing ever feel comfortable? Will it ever be at peace? Will what's going on in our world and going on in our hearts ever be at rest? And Jacob was in that same place and he's wrestling. He's in this place of brokenness. He was terrified. He was in shock. He was in emotional pain. And his family was not that much better off. They all were devastated. They all were aching. And for those of us who are part of a family, you know what it's like when you're a person in your family is aching, you ache with them. They were all kind of in this weird place. They were at rock bottom, but you know what? God's timing was perfect. God allowed them to get to that rock bottom place. In the midst of the fear, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the pain, God gives them a command and the command comes right at the perfect time. Let's look at the command and see what Jacob does. Look at what God says in Genesis chapter 35, verse one, God said to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel and settle there, build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled your brother Esau. You see, God met Jacob for the first time in Bethel 20 years before this moment, 20 years ago. In the moment that we look at 20 years before the moment we see where all this stuff happened to his family, his brokenness, God met Jacob in Bethel and it was powerful, but Jacob left that place to try to run from God. He left God, but God never left him. And kept pursuing him. Even though Jacob decided, I want to live 20 years apart from God and do whatever I want. God kept pursuing him. And now he calls Jacob back to the place where he first met him. That had to be powerful for Jacob. You know, we often say the church isn't the building. And that's so true. It's not. It's the people of God. But there's something symbolic about places. There's something that brings powerful memories about places where God did things in our life. And that's kind of what Jacob's experiencing right now. He's in this place where he feels like God's calling him back to something that was a great memory. He's remembering that was a place of peace. That was a place of love. That was a place of wholeness. And in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of his pain, as he's agonizing over what happened to his family, God breaks in and says, go to Bethel go to that place of restoration, go to that place of hope. And he remembers what that was like. So God calls him to that place. God spoke to Jacob in the midst of this crisis because Jacob was at the end of the rope. See, this was perfect timing because God allowed Jacob to get to that place of desperation where he would look to God. Oftentimes God allows us to get to the end of our rope so that we will listen to him. God allows us to get through, to go through difficult things, hard feelings, because at the end of those feelings, when we feel hopeless and uncertainty, and we don't know if this is ever going to change, it's in those places that we turn our ear and our heart r- truly to God in an authentic way. And so oftentimes, God allows that to happen because He knows what's good for us as a Heavenly Father should. And so Jacob's at the end of his rope and God stepped in, in that moment and told him to go to Bethel because Jacob was desperate enough to listen to God. And God knew that if Jacob got to Bethel, he would listen to him and it would change his life. It would bring hope. It would be that faith he was longing for in the midst of the disappointment and the pain. God brings us to those places and allows us to get to those places because sometimes those places of hardship and pain and hurt and disappointment are the only places where we will listen to God. And so God allowed Jacob to get to that place because when we get to that brokenness before Bethel, we find a humility where we will truly listen We find a humility and a brokenness that allows us to really submit to God and what he says and what he's calling us to. And it's in those places that of the pain and the heartache, when we're at the end of our rope, that our hearts make room for God's commands. And we say, yes, Lord, I will obey. And that's what was going on here. And so Jacob goes to his family and he says, we're going to go to Bethel. Look what he says in verse two. So Jacob said to his family and all who were with him Get rid of the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your clothes. We see in this, there's a revival that's happening in Jacob's heart. He's returning back to that place where he met God in Bethel, where he experienced this amazing thing. And that revival in his heart is going to overflow onto his family and God's going to bring healing and wholeness to him and his family. He assumed the role of leadership again. And he said, Hey, the, the leadership I gave up for so long, I'm taking back. We're going to Bethel in a way he saying, we're going to all go back to God. We're going to return to him and be a reawakened to his ways. And I'm going to stop running like I have been the last 20 years. And I'm going to follow God. And we're going to do that as a family. And then he gives them a series of things they should do. And in these things, we see three steps that anyone can do if they want more of God in their life. Three steps anyone can do if they want more of God in their life. And the first thing he says is to leave the fake gods we run to. He says exactly here, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. His wife, Rachel, Jacob's wife, Rachel, took some of her father's idols and brought them into their household when they got married 20 years before this. See, in that day, they had all sorts of gods they would think to pray to and worship because they were hoping one of them would work. And so Rachel grabbed some of her father's Uh, idols and his gods and they kept them around the house and Jacob and Rachel just lived like that. And they kind of, Jacob kind of forgot about the God of the universe, the one true God and, and let these be around them. And he said, we're going to be done with that. Put away those idols. We're going to follow God alone. We can relate to that though. You may think, "How how do we relate to someone grabbing small little idols and worshiping them? When we go to those difficult places in life, when we find ourselves experiencing all those feelings like depression, anxiety, discontentment, sadness, fear, we grab things and make little gods out of them. Instead of going to God with our pain, instead of inviting him into those places, we find things that bring a a fast comfort, things that are a quick fix we take things that, and some are good things and some are sinful things, but we take these things and we make gods out of them. We try to use those to find a way of escape. You see, God wants to be our ultimate fulfillment. God wants to be our ultimate satisfier. And when we get to those, that place of brokenness, it's like God's allowing us to be there to look to him. But oftentimes what we do when we get to that lowly spot, we don't look to God. We look to these other idols, these other things in the world, these other things in our life that give us little temporary comforts. And those are like little false fake gods. John Calvin said that our hearts are like little idol factories. We make little idols in our hearts that we chase and run after. And some of these are good things like our family, our jobs, a hobby, money, friends, even church can become an idol. Good things can become an idol because here's what happens. God gives us these things as blessings in our life, but he always wants to stay in first place. But when we take these blessings like family, like money, like job, like uh, church, and we make those the first place thing and we knock God out of first place and we make it all about that. Now they become an idol. Now they become a God. They have to stay in second place and God has to remain in first place. And often we don't realize that till we get to the place of brokenness. and We realize those things can't deliver like God can. Those things can't pull us out of those places of emotional brokenness that we talked about. So we need to come back to God. We need to go back to Bethel. We need to go to that place where we put away the idols in our life. We ask for forgiveness and we turn from the idols and we turn to God. You know what that's called? That's called repentance. When we turn from the idols and we turn to God, and that's what God calls us to do to leave the fake gods we run to and repent. The second thing, that we do that Jacob tells, tells his family is check it out in verse two, Put, Purify yourselves or uh, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. And the next thing is purify yourselves, purify yourselves, live holy by God's grace. That's what he's saying. This goes hand in hand with getting rid of the idols. It says you have to get rid of the fake gods, but you also have to turn from sin. You also turn from your sinful ways and start living for God. And you say, how, how can I do that? I, I can't turn away from my sin. I feel trapped. You need to understand the cross. You need to understand the mercy, the love and the grace of God. And when you know that, and you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you have to understand the fact that Jesus Christ went to a cross to set you free from the penalty of sin Our sins separate us from a holy God. We were condemned to death before Jesus comes into our life. And then when we ask Jesus to come into our life, he sets us free. He takes the punishment from God that was supposed to go to us. He stood in our place and accepted what we are supposed to get that punishment towards God for our sin. And in doing so, he sets us free And when we truly understand that, it empowers us to live a holy life. You see, we don't live holy lives by trying and trying and trying and trying harder, trying harder, trying harder. We live holy lives when we realize how much Jesus Christ and how much God, the father and how much God, the spirit really love us. And when we, they love us and we experience and we know that we want to respond by living the way they want us to live by living the way God has called us to live. When we live in that way, that's how we can live in holiness. We live holy lives because we fall in love with God and we understand what he has done for us. It's like this. You want to give glory to the one who set you free. When you understand what God did by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you, and you understand how that sets you free from the penalty of sin, it inspires you. It creates this hunger in you to want to live, to give glory to the one who is that kind, who is that loving, who is that merciful to you. You see, that's what I call gospel-empowered holiness. It's not a holiness that's try harder, try harder, try harder. It's a holiness that comes as a result of falling in love with Jesus and what he's done. And so to live a holy life, we ask, God, help me to fall in love with you more. Help Help me to know what you're really like. And we dive in and we look at that. He captures the affections of our heart because we love him so much. And because we love him so much, It causes us to live holy lives. And in that place, we are satisfied and we won't look for other idols because God becomes real to us. The last thing that Jacob says to his family, not only do you get rid of the foreign gods that are among you, you purify yourselves. But then he says something odd. He says, and you change your clothes. He tells them to change their clothes, which is another way of saying, reorient your life towards God. Clothes are part of our identity. And what he's saying is you need to change your identity and reestablish your identity in God and God alone. You are now a child of God. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you invite him into your heart and you want to follow him, you are now a Christian. You are now a Christ father. Your identity has been changed. You've moved from death to life. And what Jacob did is he had that experience with God and then he ran from it for 20 years and left his identity It's almost like he is working against who he really was. And God is saying, come back now, reorient your life towards God. Part of reorienting our life towards God is giving up the throne of our heart to him. It's like we have this throne in our heart and we sit on it and we decide what we want. We decide what we're going to do and we decide how we're going to act. We decide how we're going to behave. We decide how we're going to say, but if you want to go to Bethel, if you want to be restored, if you want to be whole, if you want to follow God, you have to get off the throne of your heart and allow God to sit on that throne. He is the only King in our life. He is the only one who gets to decide what we say, what we do, how we act. And we fall in love and we fall in line with him because once we give our lives to him, he is the one who rules and reigns over us. Jacob was on the run for the past 20 years. He'd probably say that he knew of God in those 20 years, but he was not really following him because God wasn't ruling on the throne of his heart. How about you? Jacob was on a 20 year detour away from God that led to devastation. And in Bethel, God called him back. Where are you this morning? Do you feel like you've drifted away from God during this time, the last few months? Do you feel like you've drifted a lot away from God? Or maybe you drifted just a little away from God where are you at in your relationship with God today? Do you know God wants us to to have life? He wants us to experience him to the full and he wants us to walk with him in a relationship. Maybe today God's calling you back to Bethel because Bethel is the place where in the midst of difficult times, God becomes real to you again. In the midst of those times where you feel all those feelings, Instead of seeing God as a distant religion that can't help, Bethel's the place where God becomes real in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the brokenness. Pastor and author Tony Evans writes about Bethel in this way. He says, your personal Bethel is the place that God becomes real to you again. That place where the Bible becomes so alive, you know God is talking to you. Bethel is where God works out your circumstances in your life in such a way it leaves you wondering what you were ever concerned about. Bethel is the place where God meets you intimately and transforms you into the kind of person, transforms you into a different kind of person than you've ever been. See, Bethel is that place where God meets you in that hurt, meets you in that pain and that uncertainty. And he brings healing, he brings wholeness, and he brings transformation. I don't know about you, but I want to go to Bethel. I want to go to that place where God will do this. Where God becomes real, he empowers, he restores, and he gives life. Doesn't that sound good about now? Bethel Bethel is the place where transformation happens. Where death becomes life, where brokenness becomes wholeness, where self-sustainment is conquered with love, where selfishness is conquered with love. Imagine what the world would look like right now in this time and place. Imagine what the country of the United States of America would look like right now if every hurting human being went to Bethel, if they called out to God and asked for his healing, if they invited him in and asked for his wholeness and asked for his transformation. You know, uh, a while ago, the youth ministry and some of our adults from Crossview Church uh, went on a mission trip to Memphis, Tennessee. And one of the places they went on the way to Memphis was St. Louis. And they stopped and they all went to the City Museum in St. Louis. And I remember when they came back, they all were telling me about how amazing the City Museum is. And they showed me all these pictures. And I think we showed some even in the sanctuary in a video they did of the trip. And um, the City Museum... When I heard them, uh, not one person said anything bad about it. In fact, they didn't even say good things about it. They said amazing things about it. Everyone raved about how great the city museum in St. Louis is. And so I remember I was curious and I looked it up and and I was reading all these things about the city museum and I thought, man, I want to go check that out. And and many of the um, people who went on the trip did the same thing. They said, we want to go back to that city museum. And I was recently looking up the city museum in St. Louis and I was reading some of the reviews about the city museum, because when you hear city museum, you picture like this building that may have pictures of old St. Louis and how St. Louis came about, but that's not what it is at all. And then someone else wrote that in this review, listen to what they said. Uh, They said, it was not at all what we expected. The entire museum is literally made of junk. The junk of a city transformed into a playground wonderland. The whole museum is composed of pieces of St. Louis that have been demolished, abandoned or thrown away as useless concrete rebar, Rusty gears, cinder blocks, ceiling panels, broken tiles, shards of pottery, empty beer kegs, broken bottles, all things that have been tossed aside as worthless and unusable. Everything was tossed aside because it didn't belong anymore. And this was on their website. But the builders of the city museum didn't see it that way. They transformed this trash into a beautiful, eclectic playground for children and adults. One room transformed scraps into a swampland forest where people can swing through. Another room is a maze of bank safes and mirrors. Another is full of ladders and slides. One slide is 10 stories tall. Outside, people can climb high into the air through gerbil tunnels made of rebar into a broken airplane suspended in the air or onto a dilapidated school bus hanging off the side of the building. The whole thing is not only fun to play in, but it's also surprisingly beautiful. Someone said the whole place is a work of art. See, the city museum, they took a whole bunch of junk and they made something absolutely beautiful out of it. They took things that many people saw as useless and broken and without a purpose and they turned it into a beautiful work of art that brings joy to people's lives. That's what happens at Bethel. When people come to Bethel broken, without purpose, without hope, wondering what's going to happen to their world, full of fear, and they meet God, God transforms them into a beautiful work of art that brings joy and peace and life. I don't know about you, but I want to hang out in Bethel and i want to invite you this week to go back to Bethel and hang out into that place. Go back to God, run to God and say, God, in the midst of this craziness of our life right now, would you become real to us? We want to ask you to, we want to renew our commitment to you. We want to invite you again into my life. Will you become real in this place? To help you do that this week, we have a plan that we've been. Uh, we we've been talking about the U version app throughout this time of pandemic, and we have another plan I'd like to suggest for you. Uh, it's a plan called Kingdom Disciples, and if you go to the U version app, if you download it on your phone, if you look through Bible plans, type in Kingdom Disciples uh, by Tony Evans. It's a five-day plan that will help you return back to Bethel. It'll help you get to that place where God can take that those feelings of. Fear and discontentment and all that emotional stuff that many of us have felt over these last three months and restore you and give you hope. I'll be praying for you this week as you journeyed back to Bethel. I'm going to journey back to Bethel. I invite you with me and let's pray right now that, we, that God will lead us there together. Father in heaven, I thank you for the fact that when you see brokenness, you don't discard it but you enter into it. And Lord, I ask that you'd enter into the brokenness of our lives. I ask you'd enter into the brokenness of our country. I ask you'd enter into the brokenness of our church and that you'd meet us where we're at and that you would bring restoration and healing and hope. And we pray this all in Jesus name. Amen. Take care, Crossview Church. I'll be thinking about you.
2: Jesus is calling how you come to the end of yourself, and do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling? Oh come to the Father's is Calling, bring your sorrows and train them for joy from the ashes, a new.
3: Before I give the benediction and the blessing for you to take on this week, uh, I just want to say I look forward to seeing as many of you who can come and are able to come and want to come uh, next week on June 14th as we kick off the next phase of our reopening and have an outdoor service in the parking lot across Crossview Church. It's going to be a great time. We'll get to come together uh, and at least see each other and worship God uh, together in our parking lot. So make it a point to come out if you can. Uh, otherwise, we'll be continue these sermons online. Also, you can come and just stay in your car and listen to it on the FM radio. And so if you'd like to just come and, and not be able to enter in, but be able to see, just be part of it, we'd love to have you come do that. So I'm so excited and I hope to see you next week. With that, take this blessing upon this week as you go back to Bethel, as we go back to Bethel and invite God uh, to meet us in that place. May God, our Heavenly Father, who knows what we feel, what we think, what we do, meet you where you are and lead you to a place that is closer to Him, a place that brings life a place that brings healing and a place that brings joy. And may he do that through the work and the person of his glorious son, Jesus Christ In Jesus name. I bless you with that. Amen.